Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. We have one of my heroes speaking, and you know I am not good at blowing people up with their resumes and and making them sound incredible. I'm horrible at it because, uh, and I could say many incredible things about our speaker this morning, Dr. Wayne Wilkes. he truly is one of the most brilliant men I've ever been, men I've ever been around in my life. Uh, I went over to Israel before the end of the year, and he led the trip. And you know it's going to be a special trip when the man who is heading up your trip has lived in Israel for several years studying biblical geography, and he would wake up in the morning and just go, he would read in his Bible and go, I'm going to go find where that is. And he would go find where it is. And everywhere that we went in Israel, literally, I, I want to just sit there and weep like a baby as he began to talk. He's one of the best teachers I know. Years ago, he was instrumental in founding the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, served as president there for years. Uh, now is on staff at Gateway Church, serving, um, doing some really phenomenal things back home where I'm from. So I want you to welcome one of my heroes, one of the best teachers I know. Would you welcome Dr. Wayne Wilkes? Thank you, dear brother. Well, I am so proud of that fine man. Uh, his granddaddy, Jim Morrison, and myself with Pastor Robert. Uh, served as elders at Shady Grove Church. Jim was a mentor. He was older than us. But Jim's mother, which is Preston's great-grandmother, was a, I mean, she was strong as garlic. She was a, uh, an evangelist, and she loved the Jewish people. And she went all over Denver to every Jewish home and passed out a New Testament. And Moish Rosen, who founded Jews for Jesus, a great organization, he's with the Lord now, but she gave Moish Rosen his first New Testament. And uh, so it was in that eldership that God spoke to our leadership about the priority of to the Jew first. That's what I'm going to speak on this morning, to the Jew first. Um, Satan, the Bible says, he refers to him six times in the New Testament as the God of this world. Satan is basically in charge of what happens in society. The fact that one person gets saved and goes to heaven doesn't really affects Satan. But there is one thing that he's very concerned about. He's very concerned about Jesus returning, binding him, and ushering in an eternal kingdom. This is what concerns Satan. And Jesus said that two things were going to happen before the end would come. One is that this good news, this gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. 
And we at Shady Grove and our eldership and at Gateway, we have a heart to see the good news go all over the world. I think in every generation we have a responsibility to every tongue, every tribe, every nation to take the good news, to do our part, our, our small part in his big, big plan. But Jesus also said to the Jewish people that he was not coming back until they said, Baruch Abashim Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So there's this element in God's end time plan of taking the good news all over the world. We love all peoples. But there's also this priority in remembering the heart of Jesus who said in Matthew 15 that he came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that the gospel would go from Jerusalem to Judea, the Jewish people, to Samaria, the partial Jews, and then to the uttermost part. So in the book of Acts, we see this apostolic pattern unfold. And we believe it's not just a historical pattern only, but we believe there's some priorities in the apostolic pattern that affect us here in Scottsdale, that affect us here in Phoenix, that affect us here in the United States. In our big heart to see the good news go to all people, but our big heart to see the Jewish people hear the good news that the Messiah of Israel has come. Their sins can be forgiven. The Passover lamb, the blood was, was, was spilled once for all. This is good news. He's the Savior of the nations, praise God. But let's not forget, he is also the Messiah of Israel. So I want to speak today on to the Jew first. Now, I know it's a little hard to understand me because of my thick Hebrew accent. But uh, I'm uh, five generations Texan and... Um, you may wonder why is this uh, Texas boy, this non-Jewish Texas boy, called and involved in Jewish ministry? Well, that's the mystery in all of our lives, the unique callings, the unique bent, the unique way he has shaped us. But Pastor Robert, myself, and the other elders under Pastor Olin, we had a real encounter with God in those early days. And Pastor Robert took those principles in the founding of Gateway Church. When we were considering what is God's plan, we began to see what some of the basic things I'm going to share this morning in the book of Acts. But we also saw in the prophets, like in Ezekiel 36, that it says, when Israel knows the Lord, it will affect the nations around them. And they will begin to know the Lord. And so there's something about Israel, the Jewish people coming to the Messiah, coming to know the Lord that somehow releases life from the dead, somehow releases a provoking of jealousy to um, the nations. And Paul said, as the nations come to the Lord, somehow it provokes the Jewish people to jealousy and thus saves some of them. So Romans 1.16 Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. God loves everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
the Greek being the non-Jew. So what was the apostolic pattern in the book of Acts? Number one, we see that there was a proper order. A proper order. I'm going to go through some scriptures, and you're welcome to write them down or just uh, listen as I read them, and to see what was the apostolic pattern. Paul said the gospel was for the Jew first. Well, what was Paul's life in practice? What was the apostles' life in practice? Acts 13, 5, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Verse 14, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Chapter 14, verse 1, now it happened at Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Now you notice here the Greeks were in the synagogue. What does this mean? These were God-fears, the book of Acts also calls them. These were non-Jews who feared the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they, had not, they didn't go all the way and they weren't circumcised. But they were a part of the synagogue, they were God-fears, but they had not, quote-unquote, converted to Judaism. So in chapter 17... Verses 1 through 3. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. We continue to see this proper order. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and demonstrating that the Christ, this is the Greek word for Messiah. Remember, the New Testament was written to the Greek-speaking world. Greek was the English of its day. But Christ is the Greek term for the Hebrew word Messiah. That the Messiah had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus... His name in Hebrew is Yeshua. This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Messiah. Chapter 18, he goes to Corinth. And it says he reasoned in verse 4 in the synagogue every Sabbath. And then it says in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own hands. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, there is a theology that has been passed down from generation to generation and, and prevailed in many seminaries, so it affected many pastors and leaders called replacement theology. This is an incorrect way of thinking. This passage, and another one at the end of the book of Acts, is one of the proof texts that God said in their mind, 
I am done with the Jews. I'm frustrated with you. I'm through with you. I'm going to now go to the Gentiles. But we don't even read the next verse. We don't even continue to read what happens after this. Look in the very next verse. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, another God fear, a part of the synagogue, wasn't Jewish, whose house was next door, or in the original text, it seems to be adjoined to the synagogue. Now, maybe he was the landlord. It could have been that he was renting out part of his house for the synagogue. So they just went, look at this. He says, I'm done with you Jewish people. I'm going to the Gentiles. He goes and he goes next door. And then there's a whole room full of Jewish people and God fears. And it says in verse eight, then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord. So he says, I'm now going to go to the Gentiles. He walks next door. He preaches, and the leader of the synagogue comes to the Lord. And many others hearing believed and were baptized. Look in verse 19. Right after this, he, comes, he came to Ephesus. He left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. In the next chapter, 19 verse 8, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. He didn't quit this order. He didn't quit this pattern. Now, replacement theology, as reflected in covenant theology, but called by many names, basically states that the church is spiritual Israel and has replaced natural Israel as God's people. Numerous scriptural references to Israel, Zion, Jerusalem, are spiritualized to refer to the church or Christians. While the New Testament describes the church in Israel in similar terms as the chosen people, the children of God, the bride, on no definite occasion does the New Testament ever call the church Israel. Out of the 77 times that the words Israel and Israelite occur in the Greek New Testament. There are only two verses in which Israel could possibly refer to the church. Galatians 6, 16, where Paul speaks of the Israel of God. And Revelation 7, 4, where John speaks of the 144,000 sealed from the 12 tribes of Israel. So of the 77 references to Israel and Israelite in the New Testament, there are 75 that are very clearly referring to Israel and Israelite in only two possible maybes. I would not, I would not build a whole theology on two maybes. So we see a proper order. God has a proper order to everything. God has a proper order to the tabernacle. God has a proper order to the government. God has a proper order. And if this is God's way, God doesn't say, hey, I'm giving you um, several options. Or, or, or I suggest this is the best of several options for you. No, God's order is the only way. We need to honor God. His priority. Now, Pastor Robert 
I believe God has given a megaphone and a platform all over the world, his voice on this priority. Pastor Robert likes to tell an occasion when, when uh, a big conference asked him to be their keynote speaker, and they said, I, w- I want you to speak on why Gateway Church is so blessed. He thought, oh, because if any of you know Pastor Robert, I mean, that's not his heart. He, uh, that sounds so arrogant. And he said, do I, can we talk about something else? He said, no, 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 people want to know. And he said, well, let me just pray about it. So he's waiting on God and he spends the day preparing his message. Well, maybe principles of health and government. And, you know, so he goes through and lists these things and finishes his message. Feels pretty good about it. Wants to present it in a humble way, but, but all of a sudden God just taps him on the shoulder. It's like God tapped him on the shoulder and said, son, that's not right. That's not why Gateway Church is blessed. And began to show him a picture of a generous father who had received this orphan. But the orphan began to have a great burden for the original children of the father who had left the house. And he said to his father, Father, I want to go. I want to go out and bring those children back into your house. And God took out his wallet, opened it up, and said, Son, how much do you need? Any resource you need, I'm going to bless you with it for this desire. So Pastor Robert, from that moment, really began to see There is a special grace upon Gateway Church. There is a priority. There is a proper order that we have at our very roots, our very foundation, that we acknowledge is at the core of Gateway Church's blessing. So we see a proper order. Number two, we see a proper message in the apostolic pattern in the book of Acts, a proper message. What was the message that the apostles went out. Now, I appreciate the many, many good works among Jewish people around the world, but there's a temptation in Jewish ministry to not share the gospel, to not make Jewish people uncomfortable with the gospel. And if you're Jewish here today and you don't believe or haven't accepted the Lord, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable But if, in fact, Yeshua is the Messiah, wouldn't you want me to share with you this? Wouldn't you want to examine it yourself? I pray you would because you've been waiting 2,000 years. So there is a proper message as we consider what is the proper order. In Acts 3, verses 25 and 26... You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the calling on the Jewish people to bless all the nations, to bless all peoples of the earth. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. In turning every one of you 
from your iniquities. How are the Jewish people blessed? By hearing the good news so that their iniquities, the burden of sin, this is the good news, our sins can be forgiven. Our iniquities can be forgiven. This is good news. I don't have to put it off to another year or pay an expensive seat at the synagogue on Yom Kippur to put my sins off for one more year and just hope that he writes my name in the book of life one more year. This is the mentality of many, many. And poor Jewish people can't afford the nicer seats. And again, it's not any uh, disrespect to the Jewish people. But the good news is that the lamb was slain once for all. That sin can be applied once for all. This is the good news. I was on a plane uh, many, many times. I'm sitting by Jewish people on planes. I travel quite a bit. And, and there was a man on the aisle. I was in the middle seat. And uh, excuse me. And I noticed he was reading his Bible, his, his uh, Jewish Bible. Now, the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh, as it's called, or the Bible, Tanakh is an acronym for Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, Tanakh. Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. That's the law. That's the um, writings, Ketuvim, and Nevi'im is the prophet. So this is the Jewish Bible. It is the exact same books as our Protestant Old Testament. The order is a little different. But it's the exact same books. So he was reading, and I said, what are you reading? Felt like Philip going up to the eunuch, say, what, what, are, what are you reading there? He said, well, every year I make a resolve to read through the Bible, but I always get stuck in Genesis and fade. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking, you know, many Christians are the same way, <laughs> get stuck in, Genesis, in uh, Leviticus. And... I began to carry on a conversation. He was a very nice man. And uh, he said that a spiritual awakening had recently happened in his heart. He was walking on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, in Los Angeles, down the street. And it's very common on Rosh Hashanah, particularly the religious Jews, to blow the shofar. And, and he was walking down the street in, in L.A., and there was a religious Jew that had a little shofar. He said, have you heard the shofar today? And he said, I said, no, I hadn't. He blew that shofar in the streets of Los Angeles. And it's just like something awakened in him. It's just like, I have got to know God. And so he was trying to get through the scriptures again. He'd made another resolve. He was in Leviticus. And I began to share with him my story as a non-Jew as, as a Christian who loves the Jewish people, I'm a pastor. I work with Messianic Jews. And um, do you, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Yeshua? And we began to talk. And I said, do you know there's passages in your Bible that speak of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah? He said, show me, please show me. And we began to turn to Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and other passages. He said, show me another one. Show me another one. Show me another one. It was like an awakening was happening in his heart. Many Jewish people 
feel that Jesus Christ is the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ, or he's the son of Santa Claus. They have, many do not even realize that he's Jewish, that all the apostles were Jewish. I remember Jonathan Burnus, my good friend here in Phoenix, the first time he read the New Testament, the very first, Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David, it was just like, my goodness, he says, I have been sold a bill of lies. <laughs> this guy was Jewish. He had no idea. God wants us to bring this message, build a friendship with a Jewish neighbor, build a friendship with a Jewish coworker. Don't cram things down their throat. Get to understand them. Get to, to realize that there are certain objections Jewish people have to the gospel, but they need to hear the gospel. There are some Christian leaders today that espouse another theology that's a heretical theology called dual covenant theology. What is dual covenant theology? It states that Jews are saved through the Mosaic covenant, but Christians, Gentiles, are saved through the new covenant. But the, the thinking behind it is, hey, the Jewish people have suffered enough without making them more uncomfortable with the gospel. But I have a Jewish friend that says, Wayne, this is the height of anti-Semitism. This is the height of anti-Semitism to not share the message, the proper message with God's chosen people. This is the way we bless them. We bless them with the proper message that their sins can be forgiven that the Messiah of Israel has come. Well, number three, there's not just a proper order and a proper message. There's also a proper spirit by which the apostles brought this message. This is the Jewish pattern. Now, I want to focus specifically on two words in the book of Acts, the word encourage and the word strengthen. In Acts chapter 4, Verse 36, there was a Levite from Cyprus named Joseph. We know him as Barnabas. He was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. So there was something about Barnabas that really encouraged other people. It was, he, was, he was given a new name based on this beautiful characteristic that he carried. And in chapter 9, we see when the believers in Jerusalem were fearful to receive Saul, later named Paul, Barnabas intervenes and introduces Saul and what God has done in his life. And in chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, after the believers are scattered due to the persecution in Jerusalem, they begin to preach the good news everywhere, and many believe as a result. So look what happens in verse 22. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas, they sent out son of encouragement to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. We all need 
a Barnabas from time to time in our lives. We all need to be Barnabas to other people. Now, this word, encourage, this Greek word is parakaleo, parakaleo, from two words, para, which means close beside, and kaleo, which means to call. So get this picture. It means to come close beside and call, call good things to this person. Jesus, when he refers to the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, 16, it's translated helper, comforter, counselor. This is the same word, parakletos from the same word. The Holy Spirit's very character is to come close beside and to call to us, to comfort us, to encourage us, to minister to us. This was the spirit of Barnabas. This was the apostolic spirit. In chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting, this is the word parakaleo, encouraging them, exhorting them to continue in the faith. So now we see not only Barnabas is doing it. We see Paul is doing the very same thing. He is encouraging the believers. In Acts chapter 15, let me give you the context. As we said, it was the gospel started with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. So it was just a Jewish body. And then in the plan of God, non-Jews began to come to the Lord. Cornelius was the first in Acts chapter 10. Paul sees others in the synagogue come to the Lord. So they call a meeting in Jerusalem with the leaders of the Jewish body and say, is this correct? Is it right for them to come to faith without being circumcised? Basically without converting to Judaism. Now, this was... They listened to the testimony, how the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius. They listened to these testimonies, and they rejoiced. And they said, it's good to the Holy Spirit. We're only going to put four laws on the Gentiles that are still binding today. Only four. And they were, don't eat food, food polluted by idols. Abstain from sexual immorality. Don't eat meat that's been strangled. And don't drink blood. And they sent out this letter. Now, there was a little missionary fruit before Acts 15, but after Acts 15, there was an explosion. So in verse 31 of Acts 15, this letter goes out, when they read it, this is the non-Jews, they rejoiced over its encouragement. This decision, this spirit in the leadership, the Jewish leadership, this spirit infused encouragement now, Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted, that's the same word, parakaleo, and strengthened the brethren with many words. Verse 41, then he, Paul, went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. In Acts 18, 23, they went through Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. And one final verse in chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, on his third missionary journey, 
Paul, in verse 1, called the disciples to himself. He embraced them. This is the same word. He embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, when he had gone over that region and encouraged the same word, them with many words. The apostolic spirit, the Jewish apostolic spirit was to encourage, was to come close beside, was to speak comfort and help. Sadly, in the body of Christ, there are many mean-spirited and graceless people. We, we here at Gateway, we want to err on the side of love. Pastor Preston is a, in a series of grace. You know, grace without truth is meaningless. But truth without grace is meanness. And there can be some mean people out there. God blesses love. God blesses encouragement. God blesses us sharing this good news in this spirit. If it's not about love, God will never bless it. So I want to, in closing, I want to give a picture of what happened. So you remember the early believers, the early leaders of the church were all Jewish. And they blessed us non-Jews to be able to have a church in Arizona and worship according to our culture and to be Arizonans and to worship in a way that's appropriate for us. It was a great gift, being led of the Holy Spirit. But over time, the Jewish, in proportion as the church grew, and the Gentile leaders of the church grew, the Jewish leaders in proportion were much smaller. And all of a sudden, now the Gentiles were in charge of the body, and they called councils in the 3rd and 4th century to ask the question, what do we do with the Jews who are getting saved? Exactly the opposite of what happened in Acts 15. What do we do with these people? And Jewish believers were first marginalized, but then they issued decrees in the Council of Nicaea II and reaffirmed throughout church history until the middle of the 19th century that living a Jewish life in Jesus is heresy. Justin Martyr, an early church father, said, he who would be both Christian and Jew can neither be Christian or Jew. Could you imagine that? You can't, be a, you can't be a believer and an Arizonan. You can't be a Texan and a believer. I mean, it's the same nonsense, same rationale. When a Jew proclaimed faith in Jesus, he was required to renounce Jewish people, Jewish practice, take a Christian name, eat pork, and sign documents affirming such. The Crusaders killed thousands of Jews on their way to Jerusalem and the Holy Land and considered it a godly act. The Inquisition did the same, forcing thousands of Jews to convert to Christianity upon threat of death. Let me ask you, can you identify the author of this quote? What should we Christians do with this damned, rejected race of the Jews? First, set fire to their synagogues or schools. This is to be done in honor of our Lord and of Christendom. 
Christendom. Second, I advise that their houses also be demolished and destroyed. Third, I advise that all their prayer books and Talmudic writings be taken from them. Fourth, I advise that their rabbis be forbidden to teach henceforth on pain of loss of life and limb. Fifth, I advise that safe conduct on the highways be absolutely abolished for the Jews. Let them stay at home. Sixth, I advise that all cash and treasure of silver and gold be taken from them. Seventh, I recommend putting a flail, an axe, a hoe, a spade, a distaff, or a spindle into the hand of young and strong Jews and Jewesses and let them earn their bread by the sweat of their noses. Therefore, away with them. In summary, dear princes and lords, those of you who have Jews under your rule, if my counsel does not please you, find better advice so that you and we may all be rid of this insufferable, devilish burden, the Jews. Now, it sounds like something maybe that Adolf Hitler would say or some Ayatollah somewhere would say. This was spoken, written by Martin Luther in the year 1532. The man whom God used in such a great way on one hand to, to bring such a restoration of grace and faith. But on the other hand, had such a darkness when he saw the Jew, Jewish people's resistance to the gospel. And it was Adolf Hitler who would quote Martin Luther years later to justify the Holocaust. I believe God is going to do something amazing at Gateway Church Scottsdale. I believe he is preparing a people to be a light and to be a great carrier of this spirit, of this order, of this message. But as I have been talking, you may be wondering, why, when he mentioned the Jews, why did something just sort of rise up in me? Why, why was there almost like this disdain that came up in me? You know, anti-Semitism is a generational curse. Anti-Semitism is a spirit. And I really believe God, as you turn your heart to the Lord and as you give him this thing, he's going to free you from this today. And if you've had wrong theology, wrong thinking on replacement theology, I believe God is just wanting to reset. He's wanting to mend some things that have been out of place, put some things back in place in your life. So I'd like to ask you to stand I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the apostolic pattern. I want to thank you for the Jewish people. I want to thank you that they've given us the scriptures. They've given us the, 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 the apostles. They've given us Jesus. They've given us so many wonderful things. Lord, we love the Jewish people. We thank you for the chosen people of God. And Lord, we want to be faithful to carry this message of the gospel to them, this message of the good news. Father, I pray that Gateway Scottsdale would be raised up as a light in this area and beyond. Father, most Jewish people who come to the Lord are led to the Lord by a non-Jew. Father, you've called us to provoke them to jealousy when they see that we are in relationship with the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, make us salty. Make us light. And Father, I pray that your light would shine in every person's heart in this room. And Father, that anti-Semitism and bad thinking 
theology. Lord, you, we just give you this, Lord. We say, deliver us from it, Father. Deliver us from it today. Free us from it, Father, that we would have no darkness in our heart, no separation in our heart, Lord, as it comes to the Jewish people. God, we thank you for this in Yeshua's name. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward. And as I do, uh, I want you to know something. Uh, I take very, very seriously the responsibility to hear the Lord on what is to happen in this pulpit. Whether I'm standing in it and teaching, uh, I, I try my hardest and do my very best to press in and hear the Lord on what He wants his body to hear and I take it just as seriously when I'm not the one teaching on the weekends and a big part of my responsibility as the senior pastor of this church is to make sure that you get a steady diet of God's word and I know for some of you maybe you haven't heard much teaching on to the Jew first but I want you to think about something when I was a little boy I remember saying to the Lord I was reading about David and when I heard that the Bible said that that was a man after God's own heart, there was something in me. I remember saying to God, God, by the time I die, I want you to be able to say that about me. And, and I would bet many in this room have probably said that to God at some point. And I remember the time when I was a little boy where I said to Jesus, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. Help me to be just like you. And maybe you've said that before, but I want you to think about something. How can I ever be a man after God's own heart? And a man just like Jesus if I don't love his people? And we just, I just taught on Genesis 12 last week. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Listen, you're an incredible church, and I am so proud to get to be in this with you. And we've given to mess messianic congregations in Israel, and, and you're so generous. I mean, we just sowed over $62,000 to see a congregation built there in Ashdod. But I don't want us just to write checks. I want us to have a heart to see the gospel go around the world to the Jew first, though. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.